0: welcome back to the tigers only podcast your favorite podcast for all things training nutrition and mindset i'm your host caleb sprinkle and in each episode i'll be sharing valuable education and lessons learned that i've experienced over my last 10 plus years of coaching in order to help you along your health journey thank you all so much for listening and now let's get into today's podcast Welcome back to the Tigers Only Podcast. Today, we're going to kind of dive into the difference between cardiovascular and resistance training or weight training. It's obviously known by a bunch of different names based on like who you talk to anyways. So the reason we bring this up is because typically if you're very new to this or even you've been doing this for a while, you have a preference, whether that be resistance training or maybe you like doing more cardiovascular work, you like going on runs, doing endurance, Things. Both have great benefits. But today we want to take a little bit deep dive into benefits of both so that you're more educated and so that if you want to implement things to hit certain goals, how each of them can help you get there. So today I have coach Nick on with us. So Nick is more experienced, in my opinion, he won't say it, but more experienced in biomechanics and all things kinesiology. So I'm gonna let Nick run this show today and I'm gonna chime in with him quite a bit. So for the basic user, or let's just say beginner, how would you kind of explain the differences between cardiovascular and resistance training? Because with all these like group classes now, it gets pretty confusing, honestly.
1: Yeah, I think that the biggest factor that, as usual, comes down to is really what are your goals. But when we're going to talk about it from that general standpoint of, let's say, a group exercise class, most of these group exercise classes are combining a lot of aspects of both. And let's say you don't even have a hit class, for example. Let's say you have like a butts and guts class. That's, you know, a classic one or something along those lines where... Every of- girl took those in college. was oh, that yeah. what, the same oh, thing about you. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where you're not typically focusing strictly on one or the other. Because a lot of these classes are for more of the general population where people are just looking to get active, get moving. And so I think when you bring it into like a group exercise setting, it's a lot of kind of meeting in the middle because you're going to have your weights, but they're not going to be super heavy. You're probably doing a lot of, you know, higher intensity, higher rep movements with 12 or 15 pound dumbbells or your weighted bar. So I think when we break it down into actually specifics of, you know, I want to get good at resistance training. Okay, cool. We're going to stimulate your musculoskeletal system. That's going to be what's going to encourage your body to adapt to lifting heavier weights, lifting those weights faster, more efficiently. But that's going to be significantly different than it is when you target your cardiovascular system. So, you know, musculoskeletal, we're talking, you know, joints, tendons, muscles, contractions, how your body's moving. we're talking cardiovascular, you know, your heart, your lungs, your respiratory system, everything that's going to be getting, you know, oxygenated blood, the whole nine yards that your body needs in order to kind of, you know, let's say, quote unquote, survive. But at the same time, you can't just separate those completely. You know, your cardiovascular system is going to be working because you're breathing while you're weight training. You know, you're using your musculoskeletal system while you're walking, while you're running. And so I want to make sure that people are aware, like you're not just using one or the other in any of these situations. They're always going to be kind of targeted together but one's going to take over more so than the other, you know?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. We got to back up. I
1: forgot that that class was called Butts and Guts.
0: I feel like if I put out a program called Butts and Guts, I would get crucified nowadays. Is that still going on? Like, is that still a college class that, or group class they offer?
1: Yeah. Shit. I taught it at my uh, corporate, exercise, or corporate fitness. <laughs> like, that was one of the classes we offered, and they always made me teach it. <laughs> All
0: we're doing is programming glutes and abdominals. Yeah,
1: it was not my favorite, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Like, the perfect way I kind of explain this so it's more like you can visualize it like the olympics are going on or at least they were last week i don't know the time frame and how long they go but if you think about endurance runner and the olympics they look okay they look kind of stringy they look kind of i don't use like using the word frail but in a sense they do they look very like lean maybe but some you see and you're just like you couldn't even you would if you looked at them you would not be able to tell they could run that fucking far for that long Right. Where, and then you look at an Olympic sprinter, it's like a night and day difference, right? Cause Olympic sprinters doing quick burst. Obviously they're doing a lot of resistance training to build up those muscles, but the longer endurance activities, they don't want excess muscles. There's more weight to move. So they can't go as long. So when you think about comparing and contrast like extremes, one or the other, that's kind of how I visualize it. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. I think that's a good way to focus on it too, because it's both runners, but completely yeah. different, you know, ideas of what they're doing. So energy I like systems that. too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So first talking point, what do you want to bring up, Nick?
1: I guess let's just address kind of the the goals behind each of them and, you know, what happens physiologically when that, when you do target that specifically. So uh, let's go ahead and start with just, you know, resistance training in general, because, you know, like we mentioned, that's going to target that musculoskeletal system. So how your body's moving, the efficiency with which your body's moving, you know, the power that you can produce. So. Typically when we talk about resistance training, most people are focused on strength and hypertrophy, you know, creating more power, being stronger, but also, you know, building that lean tissue. And, you know, a lot of people do it for the aesthetics, which there's nothing wrong with that. But again, it's important to understand why you're doing it and kind of how it's working. So, you know, hypertrophy wise, that's going to be that muscular growth. Strength wise, obviously you're getting stronger. So I think you need to, you know, realize like you can be doing 20 or 25 rep sets of freeway exercises, I still wouldn't count that as cardio. You know, that's no. still going to be. It depends on, like, if you're deadlifting. Muscular time, endurance. Yeah, it's an endurance-based rep scheme, but that's I, I still wouldn't count that as cardiovascular training, if I that agree. makes sense. Yeah. So I think that it's important to distinguish between, you know, I did set a thirty, like that was endurance-based training, but that was endurance-based resistance training. Yeah. You know, you're not running for fifty minutes. That's going to be an endurance-based cardiovascular training, and so you know, we think of strength and hypertrophy. I think that's something that a lot of and we'll talk about this in a little bit as well, but like overlook in the grand scheme of being healthy. Yeah. You know, I think that people don't focus on muscular health enough. No. And it makes sense. You hear about heart disease, you hear about, you know, lung cancer, all that stuff. That's gonna be your cardiovascular system. But, you know, a lot of your other life choices are going to fall into, you know, kind of how that plays out. And you could be a, you know, a cardio warrior and still not be the healthiest person in the world. Yeah,
0: because there's different mechanisms that happen, obviously. But another prime example that I want to bring up real quick when you said that is I uh, had a conversation. We ended up working together and you'll understand why in a second. But I spoke with this lady who did the HCG diet off and on for two years. I think she said she lost 75 pounds. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Great. But HCG for people that don't know is for six weeks, you take injections that contain HCG, which is hormone you make within your body, but they do it at higher amounts, so you have a benefit from it. And in those time frames, when you're having that, they're eating 500 calories a day, not a meal a day. And they do that for six weeks, and then they cycle off and they come back every six weeks, just like that, right? So she lost all this weight, but all she was doing was going on walks, going on jogs, because at that low calorie consumption, there's no way she could even support resistance training or anything higher endurance. Anyway, she lost all this weight. And then now she ends up having some hip displacement, lower back issues, because a lot of the weight she lost was muscle. And then that contractile tissue from her glutes is no longer there. So she had hip displacement and tilt, which causes a lot of back strain. So there are a lot of benefits to each of them too, but it just goes to show if you go one extreme to the other, and I know in comparison, the other one had a very low calorie diet, but again, I'm just being extreme just to make a point, but it can have that effect. If you just focus on weight loss and do all this cardio and you don't take care of your body or consider what muscles actually do for your optimal
1: level of health it can have adverse effects like that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Obviously, you know, you have to take diet into account as well. But, you know, let's just say generally, now that we're on this topic, let's kind of break down, you know, pros and cons of both starting kind of with that resistance training model.
0: Yeah. So pros for cardiovascular and almost everyone that you probably look at in magazines or that you'd even look up to on social media nowadays, because that's that has more ground to speak on than magazines. I don't really know anyone read magazines anymore. (laughs) It's all YouTube (laughs) and social media, our blogs. But when you think about cardiovascular, you think about running miles or getting on the Stairmaster and going to you can't anymore. And although that is a form, it's not the only thing I include activities, outdoors, hiking, going on like cycling outdoors, all that other shit as well. Benefits to that. Obviously you're going to have a lot of cardiovascular improvement. A lot of the typical American diet right now, if they have cardiovascular health issues, it's usually due to plaque buildup, which then goes into your heart, having to work hard to pump out blood, the viscosity and everything is also something to factor in. Another huge thing that kind of goes into cardiovascular health is your ability to do it. It's a lot easier to get into going on walks and then going into a light jog than it is to go into a gym and pick up the mechanics right away. So I feel like that's one another huge pro that cardiovascular has because you can do it anywhere at any time. right? But from a physiological standpoint, it's also going to help with fat oxidation in that immediate time, depending on kind of where your heart rate is. I'm going to speak on low impact only because I don't want to getting too gray here. If you're doing low impact, like a light jog, a light walk, and your heart rate's staying, depending on your age, I'm just going to say anywhere from 120 to 130, you're in that fat burning zone. So basically when you're talking about energy systems, this energy system isn't a high enough intensity in which it's pulling from your glycolytic system. So glucose from carbohydrates being broken down or whatever, it's staying in that fat oxidative system. So that's why when you see a lot of bodybuilders or whatever doing cardio, they're not doing hit, they're not doing sprints. Usually they're doing uphill walks on the fucking treadmill for 30, 45 minutes, right? So another great benefit to it is in that exact moment, if your heart rate is not too elevated, you are oxidizing fat, right? So- Those are the three quick things I always think when I think cardio and the, maybe the benefits it would have over resistance training if someone was trying to argue that fact.
1: Yeah, and I think you brought up the three I was going to focus on. The one thing I did want to touch on is a lot of people forget that your heart is actually a muscle. Yeah. And that in the same way you're doing- you can't fucking
0: flex it. It's not a
1: muscle. Yeah, like you're working <laughs> your biceps when you're doing a bicep curl, but you're also working your heart when you're running at 130 beats a minute. That's not your natural heartbeat, I hope. Yeah, but if it is, so, you had issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like it's important to understand like you can have, that hypertrophy of your heart as well. And you do want that to an extent. Yeah. Uh, like That's why really obese people have, you know, heart problems is because their heart gets so overworked. Cardiovascular Part of the importance, yeah, that's the importance of sleep. You know, you need to let your heart rate get back down to the point where it's at, you know, 40, 50 beats a minute for eight hours a night. So I think a lot of people like forget your heart is literally the only organ that's really working 24 hours a day, seven days a week for your entire life. And yeah. allowing that to have that positive adaptation, same way you have that positive adaptation, in your biceps is important as well.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of people don't understand like with your heart, you want your resting heart rate to be as low as humanly possible. Because when you think about something working 24 seven every day of your life, when you're thinking about longevity, you don't want it working. If you're sitting there, you don't want it to be at 90 fucking 95 beats per minute. That's ridiculous. That's your heart having to work super hard just to keep you alive. So longevity wise, it's probably not going to last as long as someone maybe has like a high 60 to low 70 resting heart rate. And the one of the only ways to improve that genetics could be a good argument to factor in, but also the work that you put into strengthen those valves and strengthen the heart muscles and that pumping velocity is going to help lower
1: your resting heart rate.
0: So for longevity reasons, it's like a non-negotiable.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. So there's some of the benefits. Let's talk a couple maybe downfalls of more endurance-based training. The first one that comes to mind for me when it comes to just generalized health and weight loss is kind of the effect of possible muscle wasting because you're not focusing as much on resistance training in that case. Yep. Like you mentioned, those sprinters have a lot more muscle because they're doing a lot more you know, high intensity, quicker burst energy output as opposed mm-hmm. to those endurance racers, like, yep. yeah, they can run for 30 miles, but they don't have a lot of muscle going on. Yeah, And so I think that when you look at it from that perspective, if your goal is, you know, aesthetics and metabolic, you know, adaptation and an upward trend, you do need to take into account the fact that endurance-based training is probably not going to be your best bet to focus on.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Another thing is that people think if you go on jogs or runs, it's low impact. And yeah, if you're running on a beach, it is, but on a road or concrete or pavement, it's not. That's why you hear a lot of runners having ankle and knee issues after running for a long period of time. So your joints don't have this unlimited amount of fucking collagen in them, right? If like when scar tissue builds up in joints, like, good luck. It's very hard to get it out without going under the fucking scalp, Doing yeah, surgery, uh, basically. Uh,
1: elasticity doesn't last forever. Yeah. So the more
0: you wear and tear it, if you go extreme, which everyone live your best life, do what makes you happy. But if you're just going balls to the walls and you're not really factoring in anything else, you could be building up quite a bit of scar tissue, which is a non, you can't reverse that. You can take shark cartilage and like people take all these different joint supplements and fish oil. And yeah, it's probably helping. But once it's there, it's there,
1: man. Yeah. Definitely. I think, you know, those are the points I wanted to bring up. So let's transition a little bit into more of the benefits of, you know, stimulating that musculoskeletal system through some Mm. resistance based training as well.
0: One of the first things I want to talk about, because people never really speak on this, they think muscle is just to be super strong, look a certain way. But just since I just talked about joints, building muscle around a joint supports that joint, right? So when you're resistance training, like you don't have to be vain and think I'm just doing this to look good. Although we all, no matter what anyone says, everyone wants to look better. It just makes you feel better about yourself. The first pro I could think is you're supporting your joint health. You're building up tissue and ligament strength around it. So it's going to reduce the risk of injury just in day-to-day life. When people get injured, it's crazy. They're doing like shit that they would do every single day repetitively. And then all of a sudden they just get injured doing it. So that's the first point I wanted to bring up for sure was just the joint support and joint health of doing it correctly. Obviously, if you're being a jackass, that's going to help the other side of the argument.
1: Yeah. I'm going to pivot off that one a little bit and say bone health. I think that's another one that a lot of people really forget about. And especially, you know, given the fact that most of us or both of us mainly work with women, Mm -hmm. especially even if you're pre or post menopause, like your bone mineral density is fully dependent upon whether or not you're putting stress on your system that requires those bones to stay strong. Yep. And that's, again, one that a lot of people forget about, you know, amino acid uptake and protein synthesis also affects your bone mineral density. And so if you're not eating enough protein in the first place and you're not strength training at all, your bone mineral density, whether you know it or not, is probably in a downward trend, which is something that we know contributes a lot to falling in elderly people, arthritis, and a bunch of those other issues that, you know, maybe get tossed under the rug a little bit because they're not sexy to talk about and they don't make a lot of money versus something like, you know. (laughs) <laughs> liposuction or fat burner pills or whatever. But yeah. that's one that I think a lot of people overlook when you bring it up. They're like, I did not know that your bones kind of acted the same way as your muscles. And if you yeah. don't stimulate them, they deteriorate the same way yeah. that your muscles go away when you stop working out.
0: Yeah. Like everyone understands that when you break a muscle down, you build it back stronger. If you're obviously taking care of your body recovery, yeah, it's the same exact thing with your bones. You're not breaking them down per se, but you put more stress and tension on them. The only way they can adapt if you're a healthy individual, obviously, only way they can adapt is by getting more dense and more strong, which will again help the factor of not getting injured down the road and as we age that's like one of the main things that tends to deteriorate pretty quickly so you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to at least preserve what you have
1: yeah Especially when you're, you know, closer to my age in your early 20s or whatever, because, you know, by the time you're 35 or 40, I'm pretty sure that's when your bones are, you know, kind of set where they are. And so that's why a lot of, you know, people older that, you know, resistance training didn't used to be a huge thing if you weren't in the bodybuilding scene. People that like are my grandparents age are the ones that are having issues falling because they, you know, they were active, but not in the way that maybe they could have been like we are taught to now, you know?
0: Yeah. Lift shit up or be on life alert commercial. Like if you don't want to be on life alert commercial this resistance train or do calisthenics or something that's going to put tension on your skeletal system to the point it's going to have to adapt. Don't be a life alert person. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Um,
1: Next one I was going to bring up is just the, you know, kind of metabolic adaptation that having more lean muscle tissue brings. Yeah. I think we can probably skip over, you know, aesthetics and just ease of daily tasks because that's pretty obvious when you're stronger, it's easier to bring the groceries in in one trip, which, you know, we all know that, but looking at resistance training that, you know, the main thing that it's going to stimulate aside from what we just talked about is that lean muscle mass that you're going to build, which as we all know, you know, increases your metabolic rate naturally because muscle tissue requires more energy to be preserved and to work than, you know, the fat hanging off your sides or your stomach or everywhere else on your body.
0: Another huge thing branching off that is obviously increasing contractile tissue within the body is, is very beneficial, obviously, like Nick said, for looks and just daily functions. But from a hormonal standpoint, it's obviously going to increase some things a little bit higher. The main one is testosterone. Everyone knows what testosterone is. Everyone knows it's more dominant in males comparative to females biologically. But women, you still do have testosterone. Obviously, you don't have testes, so you're not excreting it from there. But that's your adrenals actually excrete this even past menopause, right? You still have these androgens in your system. Now, one of the ways to keep them in a Healthy range is to resistance train, right? Because if your body is breaking down tissue it becomes a catabolic state. So if your body's nourished, recovering and healthy, your body's natural response, again, if everything's functioning like it should, is going to be released more testosterone because it's an androgen, meaning it's going to build, right? It's an anabolic. That's why the term anabolic steroids, it's going to build that back up. So it's going to help keep your testosterone levels optimal. And a lot of women think that, I don't want to say just on women, men do this too, but a lot of women think if you work out, you're going to get bulky, or you're going to get bigger and grow a mustache. Like I've heard everything and I'm not exaggerating. That's not the case. Your endogenous testosterone Even with your PCOS and individual stuff like that, it's never going to get to the point where you're going to turn into the fucking incredible Hulk. Perfect example. You, everyone knows a guy that goes to the gym and he's skinny. He's been working his ass off and eating everything forever. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen that quickly. You have to eat in a big surplus unless you're just a genetic freak. So testosterone is the main one, but also another great benefit has a pretty interesting relationship with the brain. People forget that the brain is also a muscle. Right. And use a lot of the same energy systems that your muscles do with higher testosterone amounts, usually brain activity and stimulation improves. So typically you're happier. That's why when men start to decline the testosterone as they get older, they start to slump into a depression or one of the main symptoms that a guy has low T is depression, low energy, no drive to do anything, no purpose because testosterone actually manipulates the way your brain works and the chemicals that are sent off. Like with uh, a lot of your dopamine receptors and stuff like that, it's going to have a direct link. Next one, growth hormone. This is another hormone that we need as we're developing, but also we want to be excreting this the rest of our lives. Even if you don't want to quote unquote grow, you do want to repair things. So growth hormone is also another thing that's going to be stimulated. And typically this is with more intense bouts. So that's why a lot of people will say after like a good leg day, your growth hormone is at higher levels than let's say if you did biceps one day. Right. And that's, that has multiple health benefits as well. But the main one I want to bring up is just again, joint integrity, bone health, and just keeping that muscle maturity there. And then last one is insulin like growth factor one, which kind of goes into the growth of like muscle and development. But also the main thing I want to pull from there is insulin, right? If you go run and do a bunch of things, you can burn through blood glucose, but typically, unless it's very high intensity, it's not going to pull glycogen from your muscles. It's just going to burn up what you have. So a lot of people don't understand the only way to improve insulin resistance, obviously from diet but from an activity standpoint is to break down muscular tissue. Okay. Because then your insulin starts to shuttle that into the muscles, which helps your blood glucose levels, which can actually reverse some insulin resistance. So it's going to help if you have diabetes or insulin resistance due to PCOS or any other discrepancies that are causing that. So there are a multitude of things from a hormonal standpoint. I didn't even touch on all of, but there's a multitude of things that have direct benefits to breaking down and building up lean tissue.
1: Yeah. And I want to jump back to what you said about like women do have testosterone. That's a yeah. fact. Granted, it's not in the same amounts we do, but you know, a, a lot of girls are like, oh my God, I don't want to get all big. And I'm, yeah. I am look at them, I'm like, I promise you I'm a healthy 23 year old man <laughs> and my testosterone levels don't even get me as big as I want to be. I don't think you should be worried about it. Yeah. So yeah. if you're listening to this and that's something that's in your head and you're like, oh, I hear that all the time. Like, trust me, you don't have enough of it endogenously. And you're not going to start taking exogenous testosterone if you're just some lifestyle lady, but you know, that's a, big one. And I think going off that, you know, insulin conversation, I think a lot of people like fear insulin and they're like, yeah. cause they hear about it. Like, and the only time you ever hear about it is people with diabetes Tarps. or people that are already insulin resistant that need to watch it. But if you're a healthy individual, like insulin is kind of your friend because without that insulin working to shuttle that, you know, glucose into your muscle cells, your energy levels are just going to be total shit because there's no energy being produced and then shuttled into your cells. So if you're somebody that is not, you know, diabetic, pre-diabetic, or somebody that needs to be worrying about this, like, I don't think they're bringing the insulin objection up when it comes to like eating carbs or eating artificial sweeteners, which is a whole other can of worms, but like people fear insulin. When in reality, if you're a healthy individual, it is something that your body needs to function and it works in your favor.
0: Well, yeah, it's emerging even more now. People know what insulin is, not from a medical standpoint, but from a low carb standpoint. There's doctors now saying calories aren't the culprit, insulin is. And if you understand insulins, yeah. Because if anyone, listen, if you don't follow Lane Norton on Instagram and you like fitness, fucking humor, and really good information, just go follow him. You'll see what I'm talking about. But he posts this uh, guy, this doctor all the time that says insulin is the main thing that makes people overweight, not calories, not carbohydrate, or it is carbs, sorry. He says carbs because of insulin, but insulin is the culprit, not calories
1: overall. And artificial sweeteners, but not many calories.
0: That's a separate doctor, but
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Anyways, so the argument can be made and I'll leave it at this because I don't want to go too much over physiology right t- today. But insulin has a like a really good friendship with leptin. So leptin is a hormone that communicates with your brain via fat cells, right? So if you are in a calorie deficit or whatever, and you're losing weight too quickly, like let's say your maintenance is 2,200 calories, you eat, you slash it down to like 13, 1400 right off the bat. You drop weight really fucking quick. Okay. All of a sudden, leptin's like, shit, we're losing too fast. Brain, it happens- in a different kind of way, but basically it's saying, Hey, hold on to what we got. We're losing too fast. We can't maintain optimal level of health and body fat because your brain always wants to survive. Right? So- Insulin and leptin kind of hang out together. So if you're insulin resistant due to not eating any carbohydrates or to having an issue there, leptin is going to kind of do the same thing. It's going to be resistant. So a lot of the cases is like, even if you're doing low carb and you're insulin resistant, or you're not just taking enough carbs to stimulate enough insulin, leptin is usually going to halt almost any fat loss due to survival mechanisms. So that weight being lost is probably not going to be just fat. A lot of the time it's water and it's muscle wasting.
1: Yeah, so leptin is Yeah.
0: So we've talked about the benefits of everything. What would be like in your perfect world? Like, let's say you brought someone on, like, what would be the perfect world setup? If someone was going to try to get into this and they wanted to make sure they're doing cardiovascular for all those great health benefits. And they wanted to do resistance training for all those great health benefits. What would be like the perfect layout of a week for you?
1: Let's say somebody's got five days a week where, you know, they're ready to, you know, commit an hour and a half a day to the gym for five days a week. Yeah. I would definitely start with probably three or four days of purposeful resistance training with, you know, let's say abs after two days a week or something. And then, you know, 15, 25 minutes of a purposeful cardio activity, you know, the other two days. Yeah. And then let's say the fifth day of the week, if you're somebody that enjoys it, you know, you go for a run or you go for a bike ride or you swim or something like that, something just to get you active. But that's going to also be challenging to your system because let's face it, walking is a great activity that everybody can do. But for most people, you know, a three mile walk is not very taxing on the system and it's not going to get your heart rate up. It's not going to cause your respiratory rate to rise, but you go on a three mile run, let's say theoretically, I don't think I could do that right now if I had to, but you know, that's going (laughs) to be challenging. And as long as you keep a decent pace of, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 minutes a mile, like that one day of that's going to give you, you know, that stimulation that I think you need to see those results, but you're still going to be focusing on for the most part, a healthy balance of resistance-based training followed by cardio.
0: Yeah hundred percent. Just to make it more like layman's terms, I would tell someone to probably resistance train a minimum like three days per week for the optimal level of benefits just because one or two is not enough. It's good to maintain, but to actually see progression over time, I think it needs to be like three, four, possibly even five, depending on the individual and their goals. But then when it comes to cardiovascular, you can do step goals, you can do all that. But if you want to break it down to something you can track very easily, I would say anywhere from, honestly, depending on what your goal is, but just for optimal level health, anywhere from 120 to 150 minutes of cardiovascular activity per week. Yeah. Right. And that's where I said you can break it up into steps, you can do jogs, whatever you like to do, if that's an easier way to, for you to track it, anywhere from 120 to 150 minutes, you're probably getting good level of cardiovascular in
1: without overdoing it, depending upon what other activities you do and how much you're eating. I think that's a very easy understanding. Yeah. Or just do sets of like 10 to 12 on deadlifts and squats and that's yeah. all the cardio you need. And then let watch your back go to shit, and then you can't walk the next day. No big deal. Yeah.
0: But yeah. Basically in conclusion, there is no more superior. Obviously it just comes with what goals you have. Resistance training is a great thing for a multitude of reasons to look better, to strengthen up joints, To improve hormone, hormone panels, but cardiovascular endurance training also has amazing benefits for longevity, your heart function, which is something you cannot negotiate. If you don't have a great functioning heart, you're not going to have a great functioning life. So that's the main takeaways. If you guys have any questions about this, we'll put our Instagrams in the show notes. Like always, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. We genuinely hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd mean the world to us if you subscribed and shared with a friend. Catch you on the next episode of the Tigers Only Podcast.